spiritual world is a strange and wonderful place. If you're not aware of the spiritual world, you probably should be. The Bible calls it the unseen. Seems kind of strange because if we can't see it, how can it possibly be real? Well, I haven't seen COVID either, but I had it. And well, there's that. So the spiritual world is beyond the realm of the seen world. Realm is kind of a fascinating word. You know, the idea of this spiritual realm, the unseen realm, you would say, what's the big deal? If I can't see it, how, how much value can it possibly have? Well, the Bible says that the things of the seen realm, the physical world that we know, are temporal. In other words, they're passing away, temporary, not gonna last. And we can all see that. You neglect something, it falls apart, it eventually just kind of dissolves into, into dirt, the dirt from which it came. Eventually, nature reclaims pretty much everything. And so the things of the seen realm are temporary. But the Bible says that things of the unseen realm are eternal. Now, I would say that something that is temporary would probably ultimately have less value than something that is eternal. I think the Bible would concur with this. The idea is that the unseen realm, the, the, the realm beyond what we can perceive with our senses actually carries eternal value, a greater weight. That's actually where you and I are meant to live. So, you know, if you think of yourself as a three-story building, you kind of live in the middle floor. Uh, spirit, soul, and body. Soul's kind of right there in the middle. You have a choice to live by the flesh, and that's to maybe go downstairs into the basement, or to take a walk upstairs and to live by the spirit. The spirit's supposed to be in charge. The flesh is a good student, but a terrible teacher. And so in order for us to literally learn how to be human in this life requires not becoming an expert so much in the seen realm, but in staying anchored in the unseen realm realm. It's often said, uh, and I know in Texas, this was a hot phrase, uh, longer than I've been alive, says, uh, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, I think Paul would probably argue with that point because in Colossians 3, he says, set your mind, your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So perhaps maybe the only way to be any earthly good in this life is to actually anchor your thoughts into heaven. I think that's where the best ideas uh, come from, uh, the solutions to the problems that we face here. As a matter of fact, it was the very mind of God, which is always anchored in the things of the spirit, for God is spirit that even thought everything up in the first place to create a realm that you and I know of as the seen realm. Now look around you. Most people I think are aware just of the seen realm, this one, and yet, there are those who are, well, spooky. Now it's October, Reformation Month, I like to call it. And yet here in America and around the world, people are celebrating death and fear in a sense and, uh, and having a lot of fun with fear. And listen, that's your jam, you know, more power to you. I've never been a big fan of fear. I don't much like it. I like love a, a lot better. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. I do like a good adrenaline rush though. So I get that. I get the attraction in a sense. Uh, what I don't like is pain. I heard a dear friend, Brian Orm, say that the kingdom of God <clears throat> actually programs your mind through revelation. We call it renewing the mind through revelation, transforms the thought process when the kingdom of God releases revelation to you. So the kingdom of God impacts your mind through revelation. 
The kingdom of this world impacts your mind through repetition. You hear something over and over and over again, eventually your mind begins to equate that with reality and truth. So the kingdom of the world impacts your mind through repetition. The kingdom of darkness, on the other hand, impacts your mind through trauma, pain, suffering, which of course brings its own kind of fear. And so those things all have an impact on our ability to even perceive beyond the seen realm into the unseen realm. And so, you know, when we pray for somebody, they get healed. Oh my goodness, our faith rises and we start realizing there's more. So we go after that more. But when we pray for somebody, maybe they don't get healed or we face pain and suffering. It causes us to question one of two things about God. First is goodness and then perhaps maybe even his existence. And pretty soon our questions give way to a sense of doubt. And, and now we're really uncertain about the future. Uncertainty is oftentimes something that produces fear. And so that fear can actually lead us to completely shut off any awareness or any willingness to, to see beyond the seen realm. And if that's you, I got some good stories for you today. Tracy and I have had a weird life. In our 30 years of marriage and ministry, we've seen some stuff. And when we tell these stories, and sometimes we'll be in meetings and we tell these things back to back or some of the weirdest stories that we've seen, uh, sometimes it can feel like it's happening constantly all around us. But I kind of liken the weird stuff in our lives to Paul's missionary journeys. You look at Paul's story in the Bible and you might think that he was constantly on missionary journeys, but between his amazing moments of encounters with God that really shaped the course of human history, sometimes there was two, four, seven, 14 years of space where you don't see a whole lot going on. Uh, Tracy in my life is kind of like that. Every day sort of feels like the activity of God is present, but then there are moments of time where things just hit you and you just go, wow, that was over the top. So I've invited Tracy to come back in and since it's October now, we're gonna talk about some spooky, scary, weird, supernatural stories that like kind of throw us beyond the seen realm into the unseen realm. I say spooky because some of you might like roll your eyes at some of these stories like, oh my goodness, I'd have freaked out if that happened. But I got to tell you, most of the spiritual activity stories that we're going to tell you about today, at the time that they happened, they didn't seem really spiritual, supernatural, or over the top. Some of them did, but others did not. And, and I'm going to invite you to do something here, and that is to share your own experiences with us. And to do that, really simple, all you got to do is go to billvanderbush.com and go to the contact page. There's an email on there and, uh, and share your experience with us. I'd love to read it. Everything you share on there actually comes across my desk, across Tracy's desk, and we get a chance to read all of your stuff. And uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and we don't mind any of it. It's okay. We, we even, we even kind of like criticism. At least it shows that people are listening. And uh, Tracy's looking at me right now like, do we really? <laughs> I'm like, I could do without criticism. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we just kind of lost the need to please everybody, you know, and... <laughs> and uh, you know, I just the, smile when people criticize. Just smile, you know? <laughs> well, you know, the only way to please everybody in life is to just resolve to do nothing of importance at all. And even that probably won't even work. But I feel like what we're doing here, this is more than just entertainment and education. It, this is not a, a show based about, uh, on, on edutainment. This is about really turning our attention toward the things of God. 
not getting your eyes on us, but on onto Christ. And so really all of the activity in our life has drawn our attention deeper into an awareness of Jesus, of Christ, of, of who he is, of the nature of the Father's heart and the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I hope that show, the show today, does that for you. So, uh, I don't know, what are we going to talk about first? I, th- I think well, you had, you, you really wanted to oh get into scripture. Gosh. We have so many different stories, but yeah, I just got to say one thing that you said at the beginning that I loved when you were referring to 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you you related that to uh, the difference between being in the basement and going upstairs. And I like that because the things that we see with our eyes, this world, this form, all of the stuff that we get so wrapped up in is like being in the basement compared to going upstairs where you can look out and see this vantage. There's like a vantage point and you can see like there's a view. You can see so much further. You can see out and there's light and that's what it is about going up and being in that place of the eternal in the unseen realm. And I love that. I like it when you said that. I think that sometimes is intimidating intimidating for people because it's almost like it's overwhelming. It's too much. Too many options, too big. They'd rather have everything, you know, small. You know, like the idea of being spiritually minimalistic. You know, like mm-hmm. the tiny house syndrome. You know, Confined in a basement. Yeah, you, you know, it's almost <laughs> like, please don't make this too complicated. Yeah. I don't want to have a complicated life. So I'm going to live in a tiny house, you know. I want to have a simple life. Some people want to bring everything down to a simple spirituality. And listen, Jesus and the gospel, super, super simple. So simple a child can understand it. But the kingdom of God is expansive, limitless, and without boundary. And so you and I have, uh, uh, it, the kingdom of God is not a tiny house. Let's put it that way. And it, it really gives us an amazing uh, vantage point into the reality that there is more. And right now, I feel like, you know, we're, we're not necessarily meant to try to consistently transcend this physical reality. Like the Gnostics, they completely denied that matter was even, even a thing. In other words, like anything to be uh, um, uh, valued or anything like that. And so anything that had substance became equated with evil. And so, uh, you know, we can get to the point where we think that the only good is the things of the spirit. But when God created the earth and he created all that, that we see in the universe, he called it good and very good. So the good creations of God are, are really the, it's the artwork of God. We live within the physical world, which is the art of God. It's the song of God. It's all the artistic expression of a master designer. And so to enjoy what he has created is to really honor the creator that created it. So don't deny the goodness within this beautiful physical world. Just because it's passing away and it's temporal, don't deny the reality of that goodness. It's a blessing and a gift to us. And we've got to you know, see it as such. Having said that, within this physical world, you can find yourself suddenly aware that there is a realm beyond it. And, uh, and we're going to dive into that a bunch today. And listen, before we do, though, uh, I've got a whole new series I want to tell you about uh, right now. So we're going to take just a quick break and, uh, and talk to you a little bit about this brand new series on a new covenant revelation of the tabernacle in the wilderness. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be a great download. Be right back. I'm so excited to announce the release 
of a new eight-part series on the tabernacle. It's called Beyond the Veil. The tabernacle of the Old Testament is laid out actually in the shape of a cross, but more appropriately like a human body where you enter through the feet and you make your way toward the head. And as you pass through each section of the tabernacle, you get rid of your sin and everything that would keep you from intimacy with God because that's really what the tabernacle is. It's an invitation to intimacy with God that will ultimately be realized in Jesus Christ. By studying the tabernacle, you can actually uh, cultivate a greater hunger and awareness of what we have access to in the finished work of the cross. Download Beyond the Veil, an eight-part audio series on the tabernacle at BillVanderbush.com today. All right, so let's just dive right into it. It's October. People are, you know, suddenly turned onto the supernatural, uh, most of it to, toward the dark side. But nonetheless, at least people allow themselves to kind of become conscious and aware that there is a supernatural realm or a spiritual realm. And, uh, and so we've had some weird spiritual supernatural stories. So I don't know. How do you, how do you want to start this, Tracy? Oh my gosh, we have so many stories. And so I before we did this, I started jotting down things and going back, trying to remember them all. Some of the stories, if you've been following us for a while, you may have heard, but there are definitely ones that we probably have not shared. Um, so I don't know, we have angelic encounters, we've had demonic encounters. So well, which one should we start with? <laughs> or we could just mix them all up. Mix them up, yeah. Okay, um, you know, one of the first things... First time, I think, since we got married, I think the first time that I really remember being aware that, oh my gosh, the unseen realm. I mean, I've always known that it's there, and I think that I've always felt God with me or his angels with me since I was a little kid. But when our daughter Sarah was four years old, um, she was singing. I had her in the bathtub and I would kind of walk in and out of the room, you know, doing things and checking in on her. But I heard her singing the whole time. She kept singing this song called Praise Adonai. And it was some song that she had heard somewhere. By the way, we have construction going on next door. It's not like we have, have all this like banging on in the background because, you know, there's ghosts and angels and demons doing battle in our house. <laughs> There's construction going on next door, and, and we just can't seem to get away from it. So if you hear you know, the noise of pounding and hammering and all that stuff, it's, it's not you, it's us. Yeah. All right, back to, back <laughs> Sarah, to Praise Adonai. So she was singing this song, Praise Adonai, and she was just singing like at the top of her lungs, and she just sounded so happy. And all of a sudden, she stopped, and she goes, Mommy, Mommy. And she was so excited and she's like, come look, come look. And I ran in the bathroom and she was looking up with this awe and she goes, mommy, it's raining in here. It was raining. And, and I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't see anything. And she, she says, it was just a minute ago. It was raining everywhere. And she was describing like these golden lights and bubbles that she said it looked like bubbles that were coming down, like pouring down over the walls and like coming from the ceiling. And so I realized, I mean, you could tell by her reaction, she had a real experience and she was super excited. So I was like, wow, this kid just like 
tapped into the unseen, you know, she got to see something. And so that was probably the first time that I took note of how real that unseen realm is around us. I think kids can tap into this so easily because their imagination hasn't been dulled yet. You know, the imagination is actually the limitless canvas upon which God can actually, you know, plant and, and draw out ideas, really. Uh, the Bible says you have access to the mind of God or the thoughts of Christ. And so so that's a limitless canvas upon which God can really do some amazing, amazing creating. But I think in the in the worship of a child, you know, suddenly you see it's like heaven pulls back the veil for just a moment to allow something to happen that that uh, if it happened to an adult, it may make us check ourselves into therapy, but children just laugh with delight, you know? And, uh, and I think that's the thing about being a child is, you know, Jesus said, unless you're converted and see like children, you can't even see the kingdom. And become like a child, you can't even see the kingdom. And I think part of that becoming like a child is being so open to whatever the Lord wants to do that when he does it, you don't allow yourself to be freaked out or even distracted by it but you recognize that what's happening is you're seeing a glimpse into a realm that's just as real as this one. And when it bleeds over into this one, it's meant to just be something that we interact with and do life with, not, uh, not necessarily get freaked out by. And uh, I love that about children. Children have experiences like this all the time. You see, you know, children have these angelic encounters and they can have an angelic encounter one minute and then go out and play the next mm -hmm. and just think it's, it's just another it's part of their day. It's yeah. normal. Being childlike is not overrated. It's a, it's a key. Yeah. Like we've got to be childlike. I don't think some see. adults, you know, I mean, if they had an angelic encounter, they'd like quit their job and sell their car and go, you know, sit out in a field somewhere and meditate, you know, until they try to figure out how to somehow make sense or rational, logical sense of what they've just seen or, or heard. You know, but children just integrate the uh, the spiritual in with the fantastical side of their imagination that just loves play and loves joy, and and they just integrate it in with their whole life. And I think maybe if we positioned our heart to do that more and more, like like God, if you show me something, or if you if you pull the veil back and allow me to see, I'm not going to be so freaked out by it. I'm not going to go out and like you know, try to exploit this in a sense for my own gain. I'm, I'm going to, I'm gonna enjoy it for what it is. And that is a glimpse into a realm that really is our destiny, it's our home. I mean, we are meant to live in that realm of the unseen. Yep. So yeah, I love that. I, I remember you telling me I the love story that about too. And I think the, the next big time, you know, we had taken a big step back in 2007, we had the opportunity to move to Maui in Hawaii. And uh, that was a huge thing, you know, because at that point I had never left Texas. And <laughs> so to pack up everything, actually we got rid of a lot and we shipped some things over to Maui and we went over for a new adventure. You were doing the underwater videography thing, filming with sharks, diving with sharks and filming, you know, three times a week. And we were also working with a, a ministry over there. And during that time, I needed some comfort because I was stepping out and doing something that I'd never done before. And so Psalm 91 was like a big deal to me. And I remember teaching the kids. Uh, we were talking specifically, there's that verse, the piece in there that says, under his wings, you will find refuge. So like this covering, you know, this protection. And under his wings became a thing. It was like that, a theme for me that year. And so I kept 
you know, I would talk to the kids about it every day. And I'm like, hey, we're under his wings. You know, God is our refuge. He's protecting us. He's guiding us and leading us. And um, I don't know. Well, I do know you remember this. Because the first time it happened, we thought like a bird flew in the house. But what happened is, yeah, yeah. So every morning for, gosh, like three mornings in a row, we would wake up and right outside the kids' bedroom doors was a pile of white bird feathers, these pure white feathers. And so the first night it happened, we were like, oh my gosh, did something get in here? And we were looking all over, trying to see if there was a bird in the house somewhere. And we cleaned them up, threw them away. The next morning, piles of white feathers in front of the kids' bedrooms. And it happened again and again. And so I think it was the third time that it clicked with me. And I was like, okay, this, I mean, it's a specific spot. It's right in front of their bedroom doors as if an angel was standing there, you know, guarding the kids. And, uh, And so this became kind of an excitement in our house. So one day we were driving down the road. We lived on the side of a volcano. We were like 2,500 feet up, Haleakala. And we were coming down the highway. And the car that we had at the time had no air conditioning. So we always had our windows down. And Bill and I are talking. And I start talking about this wings thing and the feathers thing. And as we're talking, here comes a white feather into the car. And it swirls around us. Remember that, Bill? I totally remember that. And we were like, what? This is so crazy. And then it went out the other window. And then later that week, um, yeah, Bill was diving. He was doing his underwater videography thing. And I always prayed for him every time he went down because I'd get a little bit nervous, you know. So I'd just pray for his safety. And that day he was diving like 90 feet deep. And he came home and he goes, you will not believe what I saw 90 feet deep. And he had, because he had the video camera, he had it on video. And so he pops it in and we watch as he's going along 90 feet deep and he's, you know, filming different fish and, you know, all these creatures and the seafloor and all this. And here comes floating right up to the camera is this big white feather, And we watched it and we were like, oh my gosh. And this happened for a long time. For years, we kept finding feathers consistently in our house. We started hearing about this happening in churches and things. We were like, what is the deal with that? Yeah. Just didn't make a whole lot of sense. We had so many feathers to clean up. And uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, that that was a wild time. I loved it. It was so comforting. Just to me, it was, you know, heaven letting us know, hey, you're not alone. The angels are here. Yeah. You know, and you think, okay, well, why would anybody do, like, why would that even happen? Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Nobody got healed. Nobody gets, you know, saved or delivered. I mean, this really, again, this was more like a childlike kind of a sense of going, okay, I'm, I'm, this moment right here is not drawing my attention to this physical thing of any kind of a feather. Because as far as I could tell, it was just a regular feather. But, but they drew our attention to the things of God. And I think really anything in our lives that uh, draws our attention to the activity of the Lord in this physical realm is really a blessing to us. You know, I mean, in the Old Testament, when they would have a supernatural activity of God, oftentimes they would set up a memorial of like stones, a pile of stones. This is an altar where this happened. This is an altar where that happened. The sea parted here or this happened there. 
it was an angel that showed up here. So they would make a, a physical memorial as a way of remembering a spiritual experience. It wasn't a way to, a place of worship where you worship the stones. Um, you know, I don't know where any of those feathers are. I mean, probably threw them away, sucked them up in a vacuum cleaner, whatever. I mean, it's like, it's not like you worship this stuff, but what it does is you, you grab a hold of these moments and you memorialize them in a way that brings your memory to an awareness of an event that attaches your affection toward the things of God, not the object of the earth. So yeah, that was a that was a weird yeah, time. It was, cool. it was such a strange time. You know a lot what of joy I just remembered too is that right before we moved to Maui and that whole feather thing started happening, I actually had an encounter that it seems like that kind of kicked off all of these supernatural events. Um, it was one morning. I think you had gotten up out of bed, but I didn't know that you had gotten up and. I rolled over, I had my eyes closed, and I put my arm around what I thought was Bill <laughs> in the bed next to me. So I put my arm around him, I'm laying my head on his chest, and I'm kind of dozing off. And then I feel his hand reach down to touch my hand. And so I held his hand, and I'm laying there half asleep, thinking, oh my gosh, he's being so sweet. Look at this, how romantic. You know, we're just laying here early in the morning, he's holding my hand. And then I heard a voice in my ear. It was a man's voice. And it was the kindest, sweetest, most loving voice. And the words were, I will reveal myself to you. And it wasn't creepy. It was like comforting. And immediately when I heard the words, I was like, that's Jesus. Like I knew the voice. I wow. opened my eyes and nobody was in the bed with me. <laughs> and I was like, what? But that became, oh my gosh, I will reveal myself to you. I'll never forget those words because that like kicked off a season of all these revealings and things that were happening and these supernatural events. And I feel like step by step, you know, he was revealing facets of who he is. And I just love it. That's yeah. awesome. That was cool. So you want to hear, now here's one angel encounter that I, I, I apologize to my angel for this one because you know how I love my feet to be rubbed. Poor Bill. I'm always like, hey, would you rub my feet? And uh, yeah. You so have I like no idea what you're about to say. A lot. So I would, I'd kind of like get frustrated sometimes if my feet were hurting and or not even hurting. It's just that I enjoy foot rubs. Isn't that silly? Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just flippantly said into the air, Lord, do you have angels that rub feet? You know, and I said that maybe three times. Like, God, what, man, can your angels rub feet? So one day I was waking up from a nap. And uh, <laughs> and I felt my feet being massaged. And I thought, it, again, I thought it was Bill. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how sweet. And I said out loud, I was like, oh, my gosh, that feels amazing. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. But he didn't say anything. But I just kept my eyes closed. And I was enjoying this amazing foot massage. And then I was like, gosh, that's so nice. And then I thought, I can't believe he's actually doing this. Cause usually when Bill gives a foot rub, it lasts about 10.5 seconds. And then he, and then he gets distracted. And so finally I opened my eyes and nobody was there. 
and I jerked my feet up. Like I, I pulled my knees into my chest and I went, I was not ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) And because it was a beautiful feeling, like it felt, it was pure and Uh it was light and it was lovely. I just felt like I was being loved on, you know, through this foot massage and if Nobody I could get that angel there. back here, that'd be super I know. Convenient. So I said out loud, I was not ready for that. And and I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then I said, I'm so sorry. That was a great foot rub. But wow, I, this just freaks me out. And so <laughs> sometimes I'll think about it and I, I'll say out loud, I'm like, hey, um, angel, <laughs> I really did like that foot massage. I think I might be ready, like, if you want to rub my feet. But then I kind of freak out again at the thought of it. (laughs) You know, the one time I said that in an angelic encounter was um, (laughs) I went over to the sanctuary of the church that we were um, serving as pastors at at the time. It was called Cathedral of Praise in Austin, Texas. And um, there was a lot of really amazing moves of God that happened in this church. Feather clouds were super common, gold Mm -hmm. dust everywhere and stuff. That, That was a regular thing that happened for many, many years. And angelic visitations were not uncommon in this church uh, where people would uh, just get just get touched by the presence of God so deeply that they'd find themselves just laid out on the floor and we would just leave them there for hours and hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, two o'clock in the morning, people are still just laid out on the floor. And so um, it wasn't uncommon for me to go over, you know, at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, just see if anybody was still in the church, just just laid out on the floor or seeking God or praying or whatever, and and then locking up the doors. And so uh, uh, on uh, one night, I went over there and the church was empty. And, and so I'm in the middle of shutting everything down and locking up. And it's about, it's about midnight, 1 a.m. or something. And uh, when I shut off the sanctuary lights from the, uh, the tech booth, I said out loud essentially, okay, come on, I want to see something like, I know, I know that the unseen realm, the angelic realm, I know that you have free access and reign in this place and the Lord is glorified and I can't really remember everything that I had, I was, I'd said, but basically it was kind of like, a, I really want to, I want to see him pull the veil back and not just be aware of the presence of things going on in the supernatural, but to actually perceive, see with my senses what was happening. So this was essentially the invitation of my heart that I actually spoke out loud into an empty room. And suddenly with, um, really is it time of the year where all the AC was now shut off, uh, sound system shut off, I hear a sound which is like, like if you picture rubbing a straw broom on a, on a wall, on a painted wall. Mm-hmm. And picture, you know, a thousand of those. 10,000 straw brooms together rubbing on a painted wall. And it started in front of me and went all the sound went all the way around behind my head like a whoosh and and went full circle around the sanctuary. And uh, and the picture I had in my mind, I didn't see anything with my physical eyes. All I did was heard with my physical ears, this whooshing going around me. And the picture I had in my mind was this giant angel kind of hunkered down in this cavernous sanctuary, barely able to fit into the room, and then turning to see who was speaking and the feathers of his wings or whatever, scraping or rubbing or whatever, <laughs> his wings rubbing on the wall, you mm-hmm. know? 
uh, as he turned. That was the picture in my mind. And I, so here's the part that's embarrassing <laughs> to me. I literally ran out of the sanctuary down the hall. And that I said the exact same thing you said. I was not, not ready, ready for that. For that. Yeah. And, and I remember that night because at the time we lived right next door to the church. And Bill came running in and he shut the door and he just stood there frozen and he was white as a sheet. And I said, what just happened? And he's like, you're not going to believe it. And he was breathing really hard. And uh, I, yeah, I could see he had had an encounter. Yeah, I suddenly had this instant realization that I was... I was not of the caliber of person to be in the company of the uh, the mystics and the uh, early fathers who had regular visitations from angels and didn't really think anything of it. Because, <laughs> you know, the Bible actually indicates that that would have been the case in the early church. When Peter is in prison and the, and the church is praying for his release, um, God releases Peter supernaturally from jail, from prison, uh, as an angel literally walks him out. And then Peter goes to the home uh, where they're having the prayer meeting of the Bible study or whatever, uh, the prayer meeting for his release, and he knocks on the door. And if you remember the story in the Bible, the servant girl answers uh, the door. She, you know, who is it, essentially? She hears Peter's voice on the other side of the door. And instead of opening the door, she runs to tell the rest of the church, Peter's at the door. Think about what their response was in the story the people who are praying for Peter's release suddenly have a moment of sorrow as they say, oh, they must have executed him. It's his angel at the door. In other words, the angel that was assigned to Peter's life was coming to let them know that Peter was now gone. He was home with the Lord. So think of it like this. The early church, angelic encounters must have been so common to the early church that the the early church had more faith to believe that it was an angel knocking on the door to inform <laughs> them of Peter's death wow. than that God actually answered their prayer to release Peter from prison. That means angelic encounters were incredibly common. Paul also says it like this. He goes, um, if an angel shows up to you and preaches any other gospel to you than, than we've preached, let him be accursed. And I think maybe angelic encounters for so many Christians these days are so rare that if an angel actually showed up and, and told you something, you'd believe whatever he said. So it may be the mercy of God that we don't have more angelic encounters these days because we have a tendency to believe that, you know, anything from the beyond has more wisdom than we do. So therefore, you know, they have more knowledge and we're just going to obey what they say. But angelic encounters must have been so common that Paul has the ability to say, listen, angels could actually lie to you. So you know, test the spirit by listening to the message that they bring. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't exalt Jesus, if it, if it goes contrary to the things of, of, of heaven, the values of heaven, if it's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you're not, you're off the hook on listening to that. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's really interesting to get yeah, back because to the angels can definitely, or, you know, the dark, darkness, sure. uh, Satan himself can disguise himself as an angel of light, right? Absolutely. So you test the spirits, yep. yeah. And so, yeah, and I think about Hebrews 13, it's interesting because he's like, yeah, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So that's how common it was for right. those angels to be so, around. So you've probably, every person listening to this podcast, you've probably had an angelic encounter. And, and and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it'd be a fun prayer to ask God to open your eyes to see 
the angelic activity that's happening around you. Uh, because they're ministering spirits, the Bible says, who minister uh, to those inheriting salvation. In other words, when you realize that you're a child of God, because children get the inheritance of the mm-hmm. Father, when you realize that you're a child of God, you now uh, make yourself a candidate to be open toward a, to a greater degree of angelic activity in your life. That's awesome. So, hey, do you cool. remember the angel in Boston that we encountered? Yeah, I did. I, I, I do remember that. And I, I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before, but real briefly, I was, Tracy and I were with a dear friend, Alex Morales, who's a, a pastor of a church down in, um, in Round Rock, Texas now. And uh, Alex loves to tell this story, but he and Tracy and I were in Boston, uh, Massachusetts. We were, uh, we, I wanted to go see Cheers and I parked on the wrong corner of Boston Commons. We had to walk all the way across the Commons, past the Swan Boats and everything to get to go see Cheers. I know that sounds like a carnal thing, but, you know... It's, <laughs> well, you got to see the popular place, show back place, in the right? 80s, you know, the, you know. Where everybody so, knows your name. Right. And uh, and so I wanted to go see the, the original Cheers. So um, where close to where we parked, there was this homeless man that was sitting on the, on the ground. And I noticed that he had a black eye and a busted lip, and he was sitting there holding a styrofoam cup with a piece, a, a chunk a torn out of it. And I kind of took note of it because it was cold outside, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this guy some money. Um, but I'm going to run over to Cheers real quick because it's, you know, getting later in the day, and then come back and, and you know, see him when I get back here. So, um, which, you know, I would not recommend putting those things off when you feel like the prompting of the Lord. But in this case, I, I did. So we walked straight across from corner to corner across Boston Commons to where Cheers was. When I got over to the other side... I was absolutely shocked to see the exact same guy mm-hmm. sitting on a, a curb over there. The exact same guy, same black guy, same busted lip, same styrofoam cup, sitting in the exact same position. And I thought, what a strange thing. The only way he could have gotten here faster than us is to run all the way around, you know. Um, and, well, I mean, uh, pretty impossible. <laughs> yeah, and especially in his condition. <laughs> yeah. And it was just cold outside. And so... Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, that has got to be an angel, you know, and... Angel um, in disguise? Yeah, you know, angel disguised as a, as a beat-up homeless guy. I thought, wow, that's interesting. So I thought, okay, here's my, here's my test. This is my fleece for this one. If we get all the way back on the other side of the commons and he's sitting over there, then I'll know that this is an angel and I'm going to approach him. And here's the part that it, it always kind of catches me off guard. I often think that if I have a, an angelic visitation encounter or something that I will ask questions, engage in conversation, you know, be hospitable, whatever. And the reality is, is I never know what to say. It's almost like all the thoughts go out of your head and you can't think of anything to say. You know, I, I, I don't even think to ask them their name because I can't even think of my own name in the moment, right? <laughs> so we come out of cheers. He's sitting there making note of it. And I keep looking back over my shoulder to watch him sitting there. I don't say this to any of this to Alex or, yeah. or Tracy or anything. So, so we go straight from corner to corner all the way back to the other side. And uh, when we get to the other side, there he is. Boom. He is there again. <laughs> so I walk over to him and Alex walks with me. And I walk over and I kneel down in front of him. I take some money out of my pocket and I go to put it in his cup. And I look him in the eye. And I just simply said, I know who you are. And 
That was the only thing I could think of to say. I don't know why I even thought to say that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird. I know who you are. Like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, I know you're an angel kind of mm-hmm. deal. And the, this guy looking straight into my eyes, his black eye disappears and his split bloody lip closes up and all the blood goes away. Like and his face smiled, is now fine. He just sat there smiling. Never said a word. Just I smiled. I heard you and Alex freak out. I heard Alex scream. Yeah, Alex goes and nuts. And he was going, whoa, what just whoa, happened? Whoa, <laughs> did you see that? Yeah. Anyway, so here was my response. I jumped up, stood to my feet, and I turned, like military turn, turn and start walking. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm speechless. I'm stunned. I'm like... I don't know. It, it, here's the thing. It, so in both of the stories I've told, this sounds so bad. Because it's like we run from the angels and we I li- freak I- out when they're present, right? <laughs> Instead of going, hey, do you have a message for me? Like, why? So, yeah. <laughs> right. So if, over the years of ministry, you know, I live as like a, this teacher of the spirit, the things of the <laughs> spirit, right? But the two stories I've shared with you, the times I had like an angelic encounter or an encounter with the things of the realm of the spirit, my first inclination is to walk away mm-hmm. as quickly as possible, which is really a terrible thing for a teacher of the spirit to even <laughs> even ponder. I, I have so much admiration for people who are like, oh, an angel came into my hotel room, we sat there and talked and, and had a conversation. And you're whatever. like, really? Wow, you're brave. Yeah, I know, I, I really do. For years I've had admiration for these mm-hmm. people who are like, and an angel appeared to me and we talked and he said such and such. and. And they just talk about it so mm-hmm. nonchalantly or whatever. I'm like, hey, so when angels show up to me, I kind of freak a little bit. I just do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's... Well, and because of these encounters, then one day Bill and I actually prayed. We were going uh, to, uh, to a zoo in San Antonio, Texas. And so we prayed that day. We we're like, hey, angels, it would be really awesome to see you. Like, can we, you know, Lord, would you allow us to see our angels with us? And I'll just kind of gloss over this story because I know a lot of people have heard it. But basically, we had these two angels. It was a man and a woman, actually, that followed us the entire day. Not just followed us. It's like they would be waiting for us everywhere we went. And it just didn't make sense because (laughs) we would get far ahead of them. And then, boom, there they were in front of us. And this happened over and over again. And they would just stand and smile at us. They smiled and nodded. And they looked like very exotic. And and then we got in the car, drove across San Antonio to go down to the Riverwalk. And there was a parade. So there was tons of traffic. And you had to, they rerouted everybody. So you had to go a certain way, um, you know, to get parking. We ended up parking a long ways away from the restaurant that we were going to on the Riverwalk that was full of people. And so we go through this whole process. We get parked. We walk a long ways in a crowd of people. And we find the restaurant we were looking for. And boom, there they were, just sitting there smiling as if they were waiting for us. And um, so we just kind of nodded and, you know, said hi. And they said hi. And then we went and sat down. But here's the funny thing. Throughout this entire deal, Bill and I didn't talk to each other about it. We were just individually taking note, you know, making note of this, you know, okay, these people, they must be angels, you know. We get through eating, but we noticed they never really ate. And they just sat there, you know, smiling and talking. 
So on our way out, we passed him and Bill was like, hey, we saw you at the zoo today. And, and he nods and they're like, yeah, and we saw you. And they just smile. And so anyway, we leave that. Again, we probably should have said, hey, do you have a message for us? But no, we walk out. And it was then that I said to Bill, Bill, did you see that, you know, those people that have been with us all day? He goes, yeah. And I go, I think they're angels. And he goes, me too. And, uh, but it, yeah, it was kind of cool, cool experience. <laughs> but, you know, all of this kind of built faith in us and our kids too. Yeah. And our kids started doing things like, you know, they're like, hey, you know, maybe the laws of nature are just a suggestion. Oh, you're not going to tell so, this story. <laughs> our son practiced trying to walk through walls. He never did accomplish that. Our daughter our tried daughter, to practice walking on water. She tried, yeah, she'd come in wet. And I'm like, what were you doing? Because we had a creek behind us at the time. And she was like, oh, I was just trying to walk on water. Yeah. And I, just as if it was natural. As anything, right. you know. Well, you know, we'd, we'd seen a lot by then. We'd seen a ton of healing. Yeah, we, we knew saw the guy a lot could of heal healings. the sick, but at the same yeah. time, part of it was like, wait a minute, laws of nature mm-hmm. are bending here to the law of faith. Right. And one night we were in an IHOP uh, with a bunch of friends, and the conversation among the kids at the end of the table was, you know, why do people call laws of nature laws? Like, we call gravity a law. Jesus doesn't treat it like it's a law, it's a suggestion. You know, he bends it to his will kind of thing. So um, he can walk on water. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's contrary to what we know of as the laws of nature. And so uh, <laughs> we started noticing that coins were like falling onto the table. And I think they were like, they had some change there because we left like a tip and I think there was a, yeah, you know, so Sarah picked up a quarter and she just walks over to the wall and she's like, hey, basically something like angels, would you hold this on the wall? And she just yeah, sort of the semi-joking on, the wall. on this, yeah, on this wall of an IHOP and yeah. then the quarter stayed. It stayed on the wall and everybody at the table was freaking out. And then she goes and gets a nickel and a penny and whatever. And she's just like putting money on the wall and it's not. We were giving more change sticky. out. We are like, yeah. and they were putting all this money <laughs> up on this wall. Yeah. The kids started like playing with this. It yeah. was like the weirdest thing. Well, even the waiter came over and he's like, what's going on? And like, so the waiter was freaking out. And, you know, we pulled it off the wall. I'm like, there's nothing sticky here. Why is this on the wall? So then we got home and Sarah was like, yeah, I mean, anything is possible. And I mean, by the time we moved out of our house a mm-hmm. year later, she had hundreds of coins hanging on her wall and... Yeah, they had we, been we up had, there we actually all year. Had, mm-hmm. We had one coin that hung on the wall through winter. It's right by the front door through mm-hmm. winter, through summer, mm-hmm. through you know all the fluctuations of, of weather in the house and the banging of that heavy door. Yeah, you know, like over the vibration and over every day. that should have fallen off, but it that never coin did. hung on the wall for over a year. Yeah, and we just left yeah. it there. So I when, mean, it was, all, it was it was weird. It was almost like a testimony. Just, we're like, okay, well, maybe that. That was, you know, because it, mm-hmm. it stuck to the paint or whatever, it adhered to the paint. When we went to go and take it off, you barely touch it and it would it fall would off. It would just fall, but, yeah. But not only that, and our friend Jason Marquez can attest to this, um, we'd see things, ha- we'd, you know, <laughs> hang on the ceiling, uh, on tile, on wood, Whole on painted, keys, on painted you know? walls, on yeah. walls with, um, with uh, uh, you know, wallpaper, yeah. stuff like that. Jason took his wedding ring off mm-hmm. and he goes and just stands up 
some mm-hmm. on something and puts it on the ceiling and it mm-hmm. stays. Yeah. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. I and remember I our friend Amy this, Gomez, yeah, who who took I think it was her wedding ring off or mm-hmm. took a coin or something, and she put stood on, on a chair ceiling. and put it up on the she's, ceiling. Yeah, she I think Sid Roth was in the room at the time because yeah. we were down in Florida, and mm-hmm. she puts it on the ceiling and it stayed, and she ran out screaming. Yeah, but it like, was just like a really on? sweet time of childlike faith, and that's yeah. what it was. It wasn't like a weird spooky thing or, hey, we have some kind mm-hmm. of power. No, no it was it just submitting to... Um, how would you say it? Well, to well, here was the thing that like we learned angelic, from it. Yeah, what did what did you the thing, learn? The thing from that it? I learned from it was, you know, when when laws of nature bend to the laws of faith, or when you realize that what we've formerly called laws of nature reveal them to be just suggestions, then it's it, it suddenly strengthens your faith to to go after and pray for breakthrough in areas that we have formerly seen as impossible, like. If you can see a penny stick to a wall um, that where it shouldn't stick, and in a way, you know, gravity is suspended, right, mm-hmm. for just a moment, um, then then it's not hard to believe that a cancerous cell can become normal. That's it, right? Yeah. And I remember our friend Jake Catterhendry, I'm talking so fast now because of all these coffee I've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Jake Catterhendry took his uh, keys, big wad of keys, out of his pocket, and mm-hmm. he held the keys up to the wall, and it stayed. Yeah, because he didn't believe, he was like, no, uh-uh. And he's like, okay, he's well, like, Lord, why if just you want coins? these. Why just let's... pennies? And it yeah, stayed, they stayed. And it, his entire um, key ring, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it was crazy what people got to suspend up on walls. And and it was, it was, so, but I couldn't do it. Okay, so this was the biggest lesson personally for me, aside from that thing about invading the impossible. The personal lesson for me at the time because I, I could not do this. And I also, I wasn't, I wasn't going to do this to a painted wall or anything where the, you know, there could be some sort of tackiness to it where a coin could stick. And so I went into our bathroom, um, which had, we had like a, a marble wall, uh, marble tile on the walls, mm-hmm. smooth as could be. Mm-hmm. And I, I just started putting the penny or coin or whatever I had up on the wall. And I prayed. Nothing. It kept Commanded falling it. over Nothing. and over again. I, yeah. I did this a hundred times. And each time I tried a different methodology and um, and nothing. And I was getting frustrated because our kids could do this with no problem. Mm-hmm. And they could hang it on anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there looking at that going, you know, I don't understand. Okay, faith of a child, childlike simplicity, faith of a child, nothing, nothing. And so every method just was, was a, a fail over and over again. It got to the point where, I mean, I, I squinted, tried, nothing, right? And I thought, this is foolish. This is such foolishness. I mean, I, you know, you, you think, well, if I can't do something or if I can't understand it, it must be, it's just foolishness. We just have no problem labeling things we don't understand as foolishness. So here was the part for me that was so much revelation. I finally didn't care whether it stuck or not. It didn't matter. My faith wasn't going to be destroyed if it didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't going to be bolstered if it did. I. Just, mm-hmm. I just. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I'd seen it fail so much. I just kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, maybe it's not necessarily for me to do. You know what? I don't care. Stick or not, I don't mind. You know, Jesus, I love you. It's like I don't really care yeah. either way. I don't need this to happen or mm-hmm. not happen. 
And one last time, I just reached up, put it up on the wall, and was just like, you know what? I don't care. It's weird. It's like all <laughs> of the, all of the striving fell letting away. Letting go. You let. Go it was letting go. It was yep. full on just letting go. Mm-hmm. I took my finger off it, and it stayed on a marble tile. Yep. And then we had some on our glass and, window pane. And then and, I sat there just thinking, yeah. there is something about letting go of my need mm-hmm. to to let my ego be massaged by my own effort mm-hmm. and just surrendering to, you know, to, <laughs> to, yeah. to the things I don't understand. Right. And uh, there was a lot that we learned during that time, just something as silly as sticking coins. Well, and I remember a time when um, our <laughs> that son... That came from children. Yeah, it comes from children. None of us as adults like, would have ever, right. ever thought to do this. Well, our son, he was walking out. It was raining and he needed to get from one point to another and it was pouring and so he just kind of had this thought okay you know I'm gonna walk through the rain but I'm not gonna get wet and he did he walked all the way across out there and came back dry yeah and it was like he had this supernatural umbrella I guess and there was the time that you remember down the road his car died Uh his battery was completely dead turned the key nothing nothing and he tried over and over tried working on it Finally, he thought, well, wait a minute, you know, anything's possible. So he said he put his hands on the steering wheel and he was just, I just thought, okay, well, all the power in the universe, all the energy that needs to come to this car (laughs) right now, whatever this car battery needs to start, I just, I'm just going to receive it right now. And then he turns the key and it started right up. We had like crazy stuff like that happening. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I remember when we blew a head gasket on our minivan and um, didn't know what to do. Didn't have the money to fix it at the time. Mm-hmm. And my dad came over to the house and he got some oil, uh, anointing oil, the cooking oil, whatever, olive oil. Yeah, your dad anointed everything. He anointed everything, <laughs> and uh, and he anoints the the uh, the engine. And you know, it, it sounded bad. You know, I just knew we needed to get it towed to a garage, but. Um, even the money for the tow was going to be a going to be a, a bit of a problem at the time. Right. Dad takes and goes and anoints the car engine, says crank it up. And I remember uh, our friends John and Troy were over, mm-hmm. and uh, so cranked it up, and it sounded fine. They couldn't find the crack in the head gasket. I mean, it was like yeah. it looked and looked and looked. Simple and we drove phase. that we drove that van tons of miles after, more yeah. with uh, what had formerly been a cracked head gasket. It was the weirdest deal. And we have so many more stories like that that we could tell you, but I I kind of, I know we're getting almost up to an hour. So I think that I want to kind of shift it a little bit because here, I think the reason we experienced a lot of that too is because maybe God wanted to show us what's possible or just build our faith because we ended up going through a dark time later down the road as your dad's health began to decline and his dad had suffered multiple strokes. And if, if you knew Bill's dad, Henry, he loved to talk. He talked to everybody. He didn't know a stranger. He loved people so much. And, um, and he, of course, he was a minister, so he, he loved to talk. And, um, but when his dad suffered all these strokes, it got down to where he could only say five phrases. And Bill, you want to tell what those five phrases were? Yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and amen. Yeah, that's all his dad could say. We'd ask him a question, we'd get one of those responses. Well, one night, um, 
something had happened to him and we had to take him to the emergency room. We had been in the ER over and over again during this period of time. But the only things Henry could say in that emergency room were those five phrases. But he sat there in the bed and he kept going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he was at perfect peace. Like he didn't look worried about anything. The ER was busy. There were people in the rooms everywhere. And uh, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. Nobody came. Finally, we walk out and there is nobody in the emergency room. And we start walking around all the beds. The beds were empty. And Bill, you actually asked one of the nurses, right? You were like, where did everybody go? People just started feeling better and leaving. Yeah. Or getting well, just sitting in, in the ER and yeah. leaving. She said, I don't know. We've This never happened. It went from no beds to tons of beds open. ER went from full to empty. Mm-hmm. And uh, dad was literally the only one in the emergency room. I walked up and down the halls. I couldn't believe it. And yeah. uh, when we had come in, there was, you know, there was no rooms. We had to wait for a room. And we sat in a, uh, we sat in a full a full ER room. Yeah, it, you know, and the, the crazy part about it is, and I still even have a hard time processing this, but the crazy part is, is even though it seemed like the, the grace and the influence and the spirit that he carried upon his life carried such a frequency of, of heaven that healing would just happen around him, it didn't manifest within him. And, you know, that's, that's one of the parts that I won't, I, I, I've kind of resolved in a sense that I don't have to understand. I would love to understand, but I don't have to. And people have given me a lot of explanations for it. And, you know, I'll receive any explanation somebody wants to try to give. I don't seem to find peace in any of them, mm-hmm. except that here's the only thing that really comes to mind. And I preach this often, and that is that in eternity, every scar of loss, pain, uh, suffering, hurt, betrayal, whatever you've ever experienced in life, is is completely erased in Christ, mm. and uh, and and there will I, I pray there will come some understanding of that. I'm, you know, but unless God reveals it, you know, divinely, I'm I'm not going to try to make something up. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And during that time, and it was like a five year time period where his dad was going downhill. And I know Bill, you've shared a lot about that. Just going through the anger and not understanding, oh. and we went through a real time of spiritual warfare. Um, I mean, one night, crazy things started happening, you know, like the television, we had this big old console TV that was in the bedroom, but it wasn't plugged in. It was just sitting there. We never used it. And we were feeling this strong sense of warfare, but Bill was kind of going through this disillusionment, you know, or anger. And he's like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to go to sleep, you know? Um, but then we're laying there in bed and like one o'clock in the morning, this big console TV turned on snow, like the whole poltergeist thing or whatever. And the TV was on and I... Yeah, the, the I, plug was hanging out. Right, the plug was hanging out. Because we had just kind of meant to take this thing to the dump. Right, and so, yeah, so this TV that's not plugged in is on and I bump Bill and I'm shaking him going, Bill, the TV's on, the TV's on. He sat up in the bed, he looked over at the TV and he goes... If that's all the devil can do, I'm not impressed. And he turned around, like laid back down to go to sleep. And I was like, dude, get up. But he went back to sleep. I got up and walked and prayed. And I don't remember how the TV ended up shutting off. Um, 
but I just walked and prayed, walked and prayed for hours. And, uh, and so we went through some stuff like that, you know, experiencing, oh my gosh, there's just so many things. We, we ended up at a meeting. Um, I've always been freaked out by the things of God. I've never yeah. been impressed or freaked out by the things of the devil. Yeah. But people, I mean, hey, Halloween, month of October, people like that stuff. The yeah. ghost stories, you know. Talk about the we one had, levitation we've seen. The one levitation we saw? Yeah. yeah. So we were at a meeting where we kind of formed uh, what some know as a fire tunnel, which basically is just where people it's line up tunnel. and some <laughs> they walk through the middle of the people and you just pray over them. It's just basically a tunnel of prayer. That's what it is. So Bill and I were doing this. Our kids were there. There were uh, multiple of our friends there. And people are just walking through, you know, receiving prayers. They come through. Yeah. Well, this lady starts walking toward us through the tunnel. So <laughs> and, picture picture yeah. this. It's a prayer line. Prayer line. Where instead of you going to people who are standing still, people walk by you. Yeah, but you're instead walking of, through instead to of, get prayer. Yeah. Instead of walking, you know, by just one row of people, you put two rows of people facing each other. And as people walk in between those people, right. you just lay hands on them and say a prayer over them. And it's, it's kind yeah, of a it's way a really for a person sweet, to get a, a lot of prayer thing. in It's a like walking through a tunnel of love. That's yeah, what I yeah. like to say. You're walking through a tunnel of love. That's and neat. you're just I being like blessed and prayed over. But this lady comes walking through. And as she gets closer to us, she is jerking in a way that are like, okay, that's not a good thing right there. <laughs> the way that she was jerking and manifesting and... As she gets closer, suddenly she comes up off the floor. She goes horizontal and she gets slammed to the floor. I mean, like her head was like crack. I mean, it was a hard floor. And mm. then boom, she was up again, horizontal in the air, maybe three feet off the floor and then slammed to the floor. This happened three times right in front of us. But this is the cool part. I think because we were in that um, atmosphere of prayer we, we were like we want to be in this atmosphere of heaven it's like the dark thing that was there couldn't stand being right. in that atmosphere but so we felt peace we didn't feel freaked out by it and uh, we just kind of put our hands out toward her and we, we were just speaking peace you know in jesus name this dark stuff has to go and and suddenly she slammed to the floor for a third time and i'm telling you her head sounded like it cracked on that hard concrete floor and we're thinking wow if if it isn't for god this woman like i didn't know she dead or what just happened but she laid there for a few minutes and you know everybody gathered around her and we were just speaking over her um, it was peace. Amazing. and then she yeah. opened her eyes and she stood up and she was so peaceful. Yeah, totally And her free. husband was there. And her husband said he kind of brought her there as a last resort because he knew she, that something was not right. She had some like demonic possession going on. She was totally free and had no sense that yeah. her head had even hit the floor. Right, totally. No knots on her head. Yeah. She was in her right mind. Her husband was so happy he was so, like she's back to her old self again was that the same meeting that that guy who worked on a boat who had been drugged to the meeting uh, oh with his shoulder yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah when he, get, he yeah. gets healed uh, our, yeah, friend, this guy our that, friends will matthew yeah. and sean hall were traveling with us at the time mm -hmm. and uh, this guy gets healed and i can't remember if, if it was sean or sarah that prayed for this guy or laid hands on him mm -hmm. 
he wouldn't he wouldn't come forward. Somebody had a word of knowledge about his shoulder. Yeah. And nobody would acknowledge it, but I think they pointed him out and said it's you and he's like, Yeah, it's the he shoulder didn't I need to, to be there. I need to have surgery yeah. on it and he had like tons of pain and yeah. couldn't lift it. And uh so I think Sarah and Sean laid hands on him and his shoulder loosened, all the pain left, and he was totally healed. And they got the microphone in front of him. And this was kind of a lesson to not necessarily put the microphone in front of everybody because um, this guy didn't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he's waving his arm around and he goes, that's the damnedest thing I ever did see in my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> that and was his testimony. Of course, testimony. the church just rolls. <laughs> they just thought it was yeah. the funniest thing because this guy's not faking it. This It was the right. real deal. And uh, ended up giving his life to Christ. And it's had fun a really watching people get free, whether it's from demons or getting free from illness or depression, whatever it is. It's fun. Yeah. We had our craziest, and I know some of you, if you've been following us, you've heard this story. This is the one that really sticks um, with me, probably more than anything, because Bill and I had been learning about walking in peace even when you do encounter demonic things and staying in that atmosphere of peace and compassion. Is this the time we left our unbelief in San Francisco? Oh, yeah. In San Francisco, Bill and I were walking down, what do you call that? Pier? We were walking down the... It's where the sea lions are and it smells really bad. And yeah, across the other chocolate from, factories there. <laughs> across from Alcatraz. Yeah. Yeah, so we were walking along there. Pier and, 39, um, I think. Bill and I are just going to having a conversation, walking down the sidewalk. It was a really cold day and there weren't many people out. There's a lady that got in front of us. And so she was walking ahead of us and she had a long black trench coat on and kind of scraggly hair. And uh, she's going along and all of a sudden she turns and looks at us and she is seething. I'm talking seething hatred. She says, I hate you. And then she turned around and she kept walking more so we were and she was looking right at us and uh, but i thought she's looking past us yeah kind of like toward us but past us so we're looking behind us and there's nobody behind us and we're like who is she talking to it was like she was looking through us or something so we keep going along and we're just walking behind her maybe you know eight nine ten feet behind her i'm not good with my measurements um (laughs) anyway so Again, she just turns around out of the blue and she's like, I hate you. And, and I just kind of smiled, but she turned around and like she storms off faster. And so at that point, we're I like, I grab you by the you hand know. and we cross the street because I get out of there. I'm like, yeah, Bill's like, like this me, freaking me, the out. great man of faith. We're going on the other side of the road <laughs> away from this woman because, you know, she had this trench coat. And we didn't well, I'm not know. thinking demonic. I'm thinking crazy. And yeah. there are crazy people out there. Yeah. yeah. So, but as Bill and I go to the other side of the street, now we're walking parallel with this lady. She's across the road from us, but we're still going in the same direction. And Tracy's like, yeah. oh, we need to love her. We need to... We need to show her the love of Jesus. We should minister to her. Well, She's hurting. I, I was more like, hey, that lady's in a lot of turmoil, and I feel bad for her. I just want to go ride a trolley. I'm like, yeah, but leave I'm the like, crazy people be crazy. I'm like, I want to go ride a trolley. somebody's daughter, and she's in torment, and I said, we need see, to go show her See what her I'm married love, to here? You, know? you see what I have to deal with? That's what I do so when much I'm compassion. out in public. Okay, before I go there, rabbit trail, but let's finish the story. So we're going parallel with this lady and I'm like, Bill, we really need to do something. And so we walk a little faster so that we the we can then cross the street and now we're in front of her, facing her, walking toward her 
with the intent to bring love. I got and, no plan yeah. except the George, the Georgian Banoff plan, yeah. and that is maybe like give hug her a hug. Hug the hell out of her. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> so we're walking towards her. Eyes, you know, eyes are locked. She's looking at us. We're looking at her. Bill gets in front of me because I think he's afraid she might hurt me or something. And as we're just a few we- few feet away from her, I felt prompted. I-, I slightly put my hand up by my side, like my hand, my palm toward her. And I whispered, demons go. It was so soft that I don't even think she could have heard what I was saying. I barely heard what you said. Yeah. And instantly before our eyes, this woman vanished. I'm talking yeah. about she was there and in yeah. a blink, she's gone, gone and yeah. nowhere to be found. And so Bill and I were like walking and all I, around I'm like, that. I'm Chris Farley on Tommy Boy. <laughs> you know, when David Spade comes out of the gas station, he's just backed up the car and bent the door. And, you know, what'd you do? Yeah. You <laughs> looked at me and said, what'd you do? I was like, I don't know. I just said demons go and she disappeared. And there were no people around. <laughs> so it's not do? like she could have slipped into a crowd or anything. Literally. We walked over where she was because yeah. I thought maybe she fell in a hole. Yeah. we were So we were like yeah. walking around. And like, at the time, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a show, uh, Disney's uh, Once Upon a Time. I had seen a couple of episodes of that, you know, and there's people going through different portals or this or that. And I, I said to Bill, oh my gosh, it's real. <laughs> like, it's real. Now, we have seen angels in human form, but I don't think to my, like, as far as I'm aware, I had never seen, like, a demonic thing in human form. So in that instant, we realized, okay, that wasn't a woman. That was actually probably like a principality or something over that area, like a demonic, right. the spirit that had taken form. So that we were, I don't, I don't know. I got kind of excited because two things really excited me. One was the reality of walking with compassion toward this tormented person that I saw. I think there's so much power in compassion because it says Jesus moved in compassion, right? And he set people free. And so when I whispered, demons go, there was no battle. There was no arguing. There was no, you know, I've been part of deliverances where people are fighting and battling a demon and the preacher's getting louder and louder and commanding it, you know, and, but in this instant, it was a whisper. It was with the intention of compassion and the whisper, demons go, and they were gone. Yeah. The whisper of love is a powerful thing. So, yeah, what an incredible, that was just an amazing day. And then we left right from there, and we went and rode a trolley. We did. Which is exactly what I wanted to do in the first place. And we talked about this ever since. Like, it's just, that was a huge, huge experience. I mean, to see somebody vanish before your eyes. Displace a principality, go ride a trolley. Yeah. It's just a good day in the kingdom of God. You know, there was one time when you were invisible. We haven't talked about that on here. Um, so one time, um, Bill, he, he had gone into our bedroom. I was just about to go teach. It was a Tuesday night school of ministry in Austin. I was about to go teach the school of ministry and, um, and I would sit down, just get alone by myself for a little bit. I I don't know why I like to open my Bible. I like to feel the pages. I love books. Um, uh, nothing about worshiping books or anything like that. It's just, to me, it's just, uh, I love I love my Bible. It's the one thing I would run into a burning house to to get. Um, Not me. 
well, you have legs. You can run out. <laughs> oh, I have <laughs> legs. I yeah. get to run. Okay. Yeah. Although your Assu- Bible would probably just... Assuming you've gotten yourself out of the house. Your Bible would or, probably just float out the door. <laughs> so uh, I'm sitting there on the edge of the bed, my Bible open. I just got my eyes closed and I'm picturing kind of creating galaxies. What was it like when God created the world, flinging galaxies off of his fingertips? You know, like if you if you have your hand on the surface of a water and you the water and you run your fingers across it and it makes little whirlpools and stuff. That was kind of the picture I was getting of God creating entire galaxies that, you know, uh, we may never see with our physical eyes, but there he's just like flinging galaxies and doing this by the billions. And, and, uh, and, and I'm picturing just kind of like hanging out there in the middle of, you know, the cosmos with God, uh, learning to create worlds, galaxies and whatnot. I, I don't know. I just have this picture and I hear the door open and footsteps cross in front of me to my left back to my right, open the bathroom door, open the closet door, walk out. And I'm thinking, how strange. I don't hear a voice. I just hear the footsteps and perceive Tracy. And you might say, why didn't you open your eyes? I don't know. I was kind of in a zone. You know, I sort of felt like I just wanted to kind of hang there for a second. And when I'm in a zone, I don't like getting interrupted. It's just, I just stay where I'm at. And, uh, and then I figure, well, I better go see, you know, what she wanted. Um, cause she never said anything. And so I come out of the bedroom and when I come out of the bedroom, you're in the kitchen. Yeah. And I said, where were you? And you're like in the bedroom. Okay. So here's from my, here's from my viewpoint. This is what happened. He went in the bedroom and I knew he was sitting on the bed studying, I thought, or praying. And, um, somebody came to the door to talk to Bill. And I, so I said, hang on a second, I'll go look for him. Or, or I'm going to go get him because I knew he was in the bedroom. I go in the bedroom. I don't see him anywhere. And I'm calling his name. I'm like, Bill, because at the time we lived in a really, really small place. So there wasn't like he couldn't have been in a far off room or something. And then I look in the bathroom and I'm calling his name, nothing. I open the closet door, I call his name, nothing. He's not in there anywhere. I walked around the bed. I'm like, well, where did he go? I saw him walk into this room, but he wasn't there. So I came back out and I said, I don't know. I guess he must have stepped out somewhere. I don't know. And so anyway, as the guy, we're standing there at the door talking and suddenly the bedroom door opens and here comes Bill. And I said, where were you? And he's like, in the bedroom and I said where and he goes sitting on the bed and I was like no you weren't I was just in there and I was calling your name why didn't you answer and he said I never heard you call my name (laughs) (laughs) so I could hear footsteps I could hear the doors open but I didn't hear a voice so apparently Bill was invisible I guess the Lord put a cloak of invisibility on him in the moment because Bill was off playing with God in the galaxies and so I couldn't see that he was sitting Yeah, in I there. don't even know what to make of that. But <laughs> yeah. it makes me wonder how often that has happened before, you know, where, um, where we find ourselves really transcending this realm. And if we could tap into that in an intentional way, would it be possible then to, um, to somehow not have to get on a plane to go to another country? Mm. Of course, I've heard stories of missionaries doing that, you know, stepping into a stall at a in a bathroom in an airport and getting out of leaving the stall in the bathroom there in another airport. Um, I've heard those stories over the years, never really knew what to make of it uh, because it seemed to be that they only happened to just individuals who had no witnesses. 
and uh, couldn't find anybody to verify those stories and stuff. The only reason I tell this one is because you're sitting here in the room with me and right. it happened to both of us. So we like sharing testimonies that we can verify, that we can um, mm-hmm. validate out of the mouth of two or three witnesses and, and that yeah. more than one person experienced. I and think there are dozens more. Like there's so yeah. many stories. I realized I'm looking at the time and I think, how is it? Like we could go on and on you know, talking about days and days. supernatural encounters. And I know maybe... Some of you might have been hoping to hear more about demonic encounters. Believe me, we've had our share. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. I like to focus on the encounters with light more yeah. than the darkness because you will find what you're looking for. And it's not that I ignore it. I know it's there, but I feel like the light around us drives out the darkness and out of the darkness comes light. There's a scripture that says the light will shine out of the darkness. So even in those places, you can find that God is there. So I want to be more aware of right. his presence and the presence of light, the angels that he's put around us. And so be the light of the world focus. everywhere you go and darkness will not threaten you. Mm-hmm. Be the light of the world and you'll displace the darkness with light. Be the light of the world and you'll be a conduit for the activity of heaven to move into this earth. And really, you know, every single one of us are spiritual first. And so when we begin to realize that, then, then maybe the things of the spirit, when they start to show up here in the world, uh, in this physical realm, won't, won't freak us out so bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, enjoy, the, enjoy this physical world that we live in. Don't strive so hard to transcend this physical world that you demote it to a place where it has no value for you. It was right. good and very good, mm-hmm. created by God, meant for us to enjoy and appreciate and the Bible actually tells us in Romans that, uh, that the creation itself testifies to God so that nobody has any excuse. In other words, we all can see the fingerprints of God mm-hmm. upon every, uh, everything in creation. I get creation, that so much in creation. creation. Like even the wind, we just take it for granted. Like We're like, yeah, there's wind. But to think it's unseen, it's invisible, but right. we feel it and it moves things and it's power. So to me, that I kind of liken the spirit of God, you know, to the wind. Yeah. I see it in the trees. When the trees are waving, I just feel like, wow, just the angelic presence, maybe of like angel wings that are, you know, there's stuff going on in the heavenlies. And yeah. I feel like the earth is responding and moving, you know, with and, you know, Let yourself have an appreciation for the matter and the physical world that we have, but at the same time recognize that it's more nothing than something. Mm-hmm. You know, we see, we see substance... And we perceive substance that has form, but the reality is, is on a subatomic level surrounding the protons and neutrons that are surrounding the nucleus of every atom, it's, it's like a galaxy or universe in itself where those, those protons, neutrons, and that center atom that they're, um, that nucleus that they are uh, all rotating around is so tiny, so absolutely minuscule that I was just listening to a quantum uh, quantum scientist say that if you took all of the empty space out of every atom that makes up every single human being alive, that you could fit all of mankind down into the space the size of a sugar cube. I can't even comprehend like that. My brain doesn't right. compute. But just now when you said sugar cube, like you could all of humanity <laughs> would fit into a sugar cube. I was like, why use that term sugar cube because you Another, know about that about that size of a square maybe god likes sweetness too i like <laughs> sugar <laughs> i 
just grab that out of the air, you know, from what the science has said. Out of but, the air that's yeah, not there. Yeah, but the idea, though, is that, you know, we think about the diseases in our body that afflict us and all the stuff that we're dealing with and, and all those things. It's more nothing than something, mm. and it's really held together. Uh, science will say that it's sound. It's frequency. It's all, it all has a frequency and a sound to it. Well, the Bible tells us that he holds everything together by the power of his word. Mm. There's a frequency to the word of the Lord. And so when you and I um, tap into the frequency of heaven, I believe it can affect us on a genetic level. It can alter our DNA. It can take things that have been diseased and turn them into something that's made whole. Come on. We Often, need our DNA altered. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. And, so, and, and mind's renewed to think the thoughts of God. Mm. So... Uh, I just bless you guys today, and I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope it inspires and empowers you to think differently, to come back to that place of childlike surrender and simplicity, to uh, worship and exalt and lift up the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name. And uh, and I don't know if you, you, you want to pray us out today, Trace? Yeah, you know what? And I just realized because we get talking about these things and we didn't even stop for any commercial breaks. And (laughs) we did at the start. I talked about the Tabernacle series. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, the typical. So that's going to be super important for people to to go listen to because, wow, what an incredible Mm. invitation to intimacy that is. Yeah, but I'll pray us out. Awesome, do it. Yeah, wow, God. Thank you, Lord, so much just for making us aware, opening all of our senses, awakening our senses to the reality of your presence, the reality of the light that you've created in this world, the reality of the unseen realm. And I pray, God, that everybody listening would have encounters with you, that you would open their eyes and their ears, their senses, the everything, God, that um, there's so many other stories we didn't share today that you know, involve all the senses. So God, I know you created those so we can feel you and see you, hear you, smell you. Lord, it's such an amazing privilege. So God, I just bless every listener today to an awakening. I bless them with that awakening and awareness of the reality of your presence in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for your love and support. You make it possible for Bill and Tracy to keep the message of Jesus Christ going around the world. We're thankful for every open door, not only in the U.S., but in places like Ireland, England, Scotland, France, Germany, and more. We are always encouraged as we find fires of God burning each place we go. We value your prayers more than you can even imagine. If you feel compelled to give, you can find a link at billvanderbush.com. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to write to us at Faith Mountain Ministries, P.O. Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258.